Hello and welcome to episode 11 of The Divide. Today we will be talking about 3D printing, starting off with an overview of the current technology and then taking a deeper look at some of the uses of 3D printing at home. I'm joined today with my good friends Chris and Ben. Chris, is your internet going to hold out today? It's a superb question. Um, I did a, a, a speed test before we started and it was slightly ropey but still twice as fast as it was when i was with sky so uh <laughs> we'll we'll see if it actually sustains a connection for the full episode today that's how you started so, last time you were like wow my speed test is 20 megabytes <laughs> yeah no, no, it just plummeted <laughs> but, and how about you ben have you uh got piles of apple goods since the last apple event i, I may have bought a few things <laughs> i'll uh, <laughs> mention those in a minute uh, but yeah, I'm good. My internet seems to be working. I'm not going to anger the broadband gods by you know, insulting any particular provider, seeing as <laughs> it didn't work so well for Chris last week. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm good. Awesome. I, I guess I should do my tiny little Sweden weather update because it's an important part of the show. So it's a requested part of the show. Right? <laughs> so we have to make sure we schedule it in. It's like the only part anyone's requested. Yeah. <laughs> So the next show is going to be 45 minutes about the Swedish, Swedish weather. weather. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, it's sunny, which is awesome. It's been a bit cloudy and now it's sunny. So it's, uh, How it's warm finally... You can get sun in the South Pole. True. It's um, We haven't had anything below zero for at least a week now, which is nice. I think spring is finally here. It's uh, six <laughs> degrees today, but we've had a couple of days where it's been over 10. So uh, Wow. That is, a, that is a massive difference. Because we've had temperatures of around about seven here, but we've never gone down to minus a thousand. Like <laughs> Fortunately, I think, uh, I don't know, you seem to cross the threshold when the clocks change and everything, obviously everything gets brighter in the evenings, which is nice, but everything just seems to start getting warmer around then. And exactly six months time, it's going to start to degrade again. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the doors really will close, the dark nights will come. That's it. Start looking forward to when the clocks go back already. <laughs> I messed up the clock change because I thought the clocks went back. So I put my clocks back and I slept for an extra hour, which turned out to be an extra two hours. I woke uh, up at 10 o'clock in the morning. I was like, oh, it's late. And it was, uh, it was much later than I thought it was. Nice. The flight of the non-parents. I still, yeah. I still remember a couple of years ago when um i we did not even twig that the clocks were changing and so it was a week and i think it was i think it must have been going forward and i just or i don't know which direction it's going but i remember just getting up and at the weekend as normal and just playing world of warcraft which is what i used to do <laughs> and then i just i was just like oh god fucking clocks just wrong on the server and I'm like <laughs> click 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 try and fix it and i think i i think i was it was like three hours before i realized that we were actually functioning on completely the wrong time and i could have had a lion <laughs> yeah. but nice. still three hours of world of warcraft that's what i used to live for <laughs> awesome <laughs> right so let's do a little bit of follow-up from our previous show uh Let's, maybe we should talk about those things you, you may or may not have bought, Ben, from the last show. Well, as I, me- I, I think I mentioned it in the show last week. I think the only thing I was really interested in, because uh, I've just bought an iPad Pro, the large one, recently, so I'm not in the market for the 9.7-inch Pro, um, and I certainly don't want a 4-inch phone when there's going to be new, larger ones in about six months' time, so there's not much point in doing that either. Uh, but I did very much like the Apple Watch bands, uh, mm. so I ended up buying two. Of the nylon ones, I got a pearl one, which is basically sort of silvery white, I guess. Um, And then one, I can't remember what it was called, something like gold red, which is basically orange. So (laughs) it's just different strands. We're just making up new names for colours now (laughs) at the Apple campus. Like space (laughs) grey. Yeah. (laughs) Some of those nylon bands were ruddy weird, weren't they? Yeah, I didn't like the look of some of them. But also, it's very, very hard to photograph them because they're quite, not shiny, but they look very different on the website than they do in person. Um, Mm. So I took a gamble and I went for the pearl. I was like, yeah, that one looks nice. That looks sort of fairly standard. And then I looked at the orange one a bit more and I was like, yeah, I'll get that. Uh, And Apple Pay was my downfall because it was only one fingerprint scan away from purchasing and sending it to me. So it's like, mm, yeah, okay. Uh, so yeah, and they arrived and they're really nice actually. Um, I think they're going to be particularly good in the summer because whilst the uh, 
plastic, sorry, polyurethane or whatever they call it, <laughs> band, um, is very, very comfortable and nice. In the summer, if you're a little bit sweaty, uh, then it's not as pleasant and you, you know, it's quite irritating after a while. Uh, but these ones are quite thin and light and they're really nice. So I'm very pleased with my purchase. Uh, but then I came into a problem, which is definitely a, a very first world problem of I now have five Apple Watch bands. Uh, how do I store them? Because <laughs> they obviously they split in two because you put different mm. bits at the top. You can't really clasp them the wrong way around or it's a bit difficult to do it. Uh, so I ended up looking around trying to find something to hang them. I thought there'd be something on Kickstarter or Etsy which would work with the lugs of the Apple Watch bands to like click them in and hang them. And sure enough, there was something, but um, it hadn't reached its goal and so they weren't making it. Ah. So in the end, I eventually bought a watch collector's leather box <laughs> which is like a basically a black leather box with like a little lock on the front and a glass lid and when you open it up it's got like those little jeweler's soft pads that you can basically put watches around like they would in a jeweler's shop uh, but instead of putting a full watch on I've just put the bands sort of linked loosely together and it's working really well it's nice cool so many, now uh, I can, how many can you three? how many will your box hold uh, it'll hold 10. They had one of six, 10, 12, and then there was a doubled up one with 24. And I thought, I've got five. I can't see myself having more than 10. <laughs> so I'll, I'll go year, for yeah. that one. <laughs> <laughs> I could see myself having more than six because I yeah. get another of the plastic bands. And I might get one of the metal ones when the new watch comes out. Uh, so I was like, 10 will do. It's like yeah, DLC it's for your watch. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually spent more on bands now than the watch, so <laughs> that's good. <laughs> and I've still got the, the regular white band that came with it. It's kind of half blue now. I don't know why. Maybe it's from my jeans or something. But You are Smurf. <laughs> Just rubbing off my arm. But, uh, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so unfortunately, Chris, you had some internet issues in the last show, so just wanted to give you a chance if you wanted to say anything about the Apple event that we talked about last time. Maybe something you thought was cool or you despised. Mm. Well... You know, if as long as your finger is on the pulse, it's relatively difficult to be surprised that when an Apple event comes along, which is which is odd for a company that prides itself on its secrecy about the products that they're going to release. So I was kind of already expecting to see everything that I saw. Um, it was a really, I thought it was quite a dull event. Like the first half of it was was just them talking. It was filler, basically, wasn't it? <laughs> they didn't have enough stuff to release for a full hour presentation, so they just talked about wind farms and stuff and uh, solar panels um, and uh, and their their GLaDOS machine that takes apart iPhones which I, I really wish that one would just take apart my iPhone and then rebuild it with uh, functioning Bluetooth and uh, and a touch ID sensor you don't like to let things go do you Chris <laughs> no, no. you know what when uh, when 9.3 iOS 9.3 came out I, I, I just sort of silently thought to myself it's I should probably not hope that this will be the the one where the Bluetooth gets fixed, but it's I, I, I'll I'll sort of treat myself to hoping that maybe my Bluetooth will work <laughs> after this. Nope. <laughs> and um, what's the other thing? And uh, the the only other thing that they advertise with it is uh, the the night shift, which also doesn't work on the iPhone five. So uh, that was a very long update process for <laughs> not a lot in my day. Um, you um, can uh, lock notes now though with touch head oh yeah. no you can't you know what i am um, actually i used to use the notes all the time and then one of the updates in the last i don't know 12 to 18 months one of the updates changed the structure of notes i think possibly mm, yeah. just ios 9 iCloud. yeah and um like i don't know my notes just don't sync properly anyway so i kind of just stopped using it i use evernote instead so that's kind of a shame because I used to use the notes app all the time. I guess um, I had one question. Yeah. Like you, uh, you're still running an iPad three. Yeah, and that's quite painfully slow now as well. Have you so considered? Do you think the Pro might be the thing that makes you upgrade the nine inch well, the, Pro? The, or... the, that's the thing. Like, I just I found myself watching that, thinking this is kind of cool, but at the same time, all of the things that they advertise the iPad Pro as being, this is what you would want. To use your iPad Pro for, I just find myself thinking that would the 9.7 inch iPad be a bit small for that? Like, if I wouldn't want to be doing an AutoCAD design on that screen, and I wouldn't want to do artistry if I had any talent in that on that, 
And um, surely the keyboard would be quite small. And um, what was it like? We we spoke a few when when the iPad Pro came out. We spoke on the show about um, or I can't. We we've spoken about whether we would code on our iPads. Mm. And, like I possibly might on an iPad Pro, but I certainly wouldn't on a nine point seven. Um, I don't know. I, I think if I was going to upgrade my iPad, I'd probably still go to an, an Air 2, maybe. Especially now they're cheaper. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's the same argument as when I was getting my MacBook. Um, I wanted a MacBook Air. And just, obviously, the 11-inch screen is is cheaper, but it's just too small to do anything useful on it for a, for a laptop. So, I don't know. I just I just think that the iPad Pro small version is probably too small to be a powerful tablet. Now, maybe you guys don't agree, but... I don't think that's necessarily true, but I would say that the iPad Air 2 is probably better for your needs because it's uh, ridiculously overpowered anyway. Yes. Like the, the Air 2 was crazy overpowered. Yeah. Um, so you can still do all the stuff like uh, split-screen views and running mm. two apps at the same time, which is sort of the main use case, and it's going to be a hell of a lot faster than your iPad 3, mm. which is the slowest iPad they ever made um, because the jump to Retina, they didn't double the power of the CPU and the GPU, so it actually worked out quite a bit slower than the original iPad right. in some ways. Okay, Because um, I've got an iPad 3 as well kicking around, and it is much slower right. than everything else I've got. Uh, so the Air 2 would be a huge boost in speed and all that mm. kind of stuff. If you're not interested in the pencil, which you're probably not if you're not going to do any drawing, I mean, it's. I mean, I don't even use mine, and I use it for occasional UI mock-ups and stuff, but it's not necessary. Um, and if you're not interested in any of the other stuff that it adds, there's not much point. I'd get the Air 2 if I had the, the choice of buying a new 9.7-inch one. Uh, yeah. Just because, you know, it does everything you need it to. It's still got the Touch ID, all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I find I'm actually... Uh, I stopped using my iPad quite a bit when I first got my MacBook, um, but now that sort of the the initial gloss of having a MacBook is has is wearing off. I'm I am going back to my iPad for the stuff that the iPad is more appropriate for, and it makes me sad that it's so slow. And that is actually it's pretty heavy, um, so I would like to eventually upgrade to probably to an Air two. But at the same time, I'd also like a new iPhone, so I think I need to prioritize <laughs> work out which is going to be which is going to happen first. Uh, See, an interesting <laughs> thing as well is if you've got a larger iPhone, you might find yourself using the iPad less, especially if you're not doing anything like uh, you're not doing any serious productivity on the iPad. Like if you're just using it for web browsing, watching films, that kind of stuff, mm. you might find that a large iPhone is actually better yes. because the aspect ratio is better for widescreen video anyway. Yeah, You've got the bigger keyboard for typing with your thumbs. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's probably... I'd just get the big iPhone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. probably. Cool. Um, so, there's uh, one other thing that I just wanted to bring to the table that I would have brought last week. Is um, I just I notice how there still doesn't seem to be any mention, even really on the rumor mill, about another Apple Watch. But I know that Ben said um, ten minutes ago or so about the next one. Obviously, they will release another one. But yeah, do, September. Do we think? <laughs> uh, do you think so? It'll definitely be September. They'll do it for um, because if you think about it now, it is technically it's only a year old since mm. we've been able to buy one, but it's mm. eighteen months old since it was revealed. Mm. Um, that'll be two years come the September event, uh, and they'll want new ones in order to go through the um, Christmas holiday period. Um, I imagine my feeling on it is that they'll do exactly the same thing that they do with nearly every other product, in that it will basically be exactly the same. So it might be called the Apple Watch S or something. Right. Um, so it'll look the same. They might have a few different finishes and stuff, but they've already done that, adding gold, yeah. rose gold, uh, for the sport models. Mm. Um, and it'll just be improved internals. Because the one thing that holds the watch back, certainly for me anyway, is that it is horribly slow. Um, like is apps it? on it, there's just no point using the apps because they're all terrible. Uh, the complications <laughs> are good because you can see stuff on your watch face from like third-party apps. So I've got yeah. like a weather one on there and um, a few other bits and pieces. Mm -hmm. But I never use the app. Like uh, I have an app for my Hue lights in the house. 
uh, and it's quicker for me to either pick up my iPhone and use the Today widget <laughs> than it is to go onto my watch to the Hue app, wait for it to tediously load, and then mm. use it. Um, and Siri is much slower on there as well because uh, it's got a much slower GPU. So again, it's usually quicker to get my phone out and ask Siri to do something rather than to do it on my watch mm. just because of the loading time. So I'm fairly confident that come September there'll be a refresh not of the design but of the internals and that mm. come hand in hand with watch os 3 which will probably have improved stuff as well i would yeah. think i don't think they're going to do anything was... drastic like adding a camera or doing <laughs> anything else there might be a few new cool bits but i think it's really that little tiny chip they have inside that'll just be swapped out with something much faster mm, yeah, yeah. I, I look yeah. forward to that too i think that was a really good prediction there of what apple watch 3 will have been Improved stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Watch US <laughs> three, <that>. sorry. <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, I, I think it would be really cool to get the new one because, I mean, one nice thing about the latest round of updates like iOS 9.3 is it's the first time since I've had my Apple Watch that all my app icons actually look like icons. There's always been a few that have that kind of loading thing yeah. forever. So that's kind of nice. But yeah, I, I hardly ever use the apps because it's so slow to, to kick them into life. But um, I was very surprised that there wasn't a minor hardware update in this event um, because I thought with iOS 9.3 and watchOS 2.2 adding the ability to have multiple watches paired to a single phone because uh, previously you could only have one Apple Watch per phone. Um, I thought that was sort of like a precursor to it um, because when a new watch does come out, I've got the um, steel Apple Watch one. Uh, so when a new one comes out, I'll probably buy the sport model just because it's so much cheaper uh, mm. and use that day to day for everything. And then I'll just switch to the steel one if I'm like going out or something. Mm. Uh, it looks nicer. Um, so then you'll be able to use both without having to unpair them, repair them, which is a trial in itself. Take <laughs> so I'm hopeful. Cool. Well, let's uh, let's keep our fingers crossed. I'm sure we'll revisit the uh, the WWDC when it comes around later on this yeah. year. So. Oh. Um, so, time to go into superheroes. I think it's time for. I know Chris and Ben had a bit of a fight over who was gonna, who was gonna talk about this. So I know how much you love it, Ben. But there. Uh... Oh, I do. <laughs> rebirth. <laughs> so, Chris, you want to tell us a bit about the DC Rebirth? Um, yeah, I mean, there's 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 quite a lot to talk about. Um, I was going to focus in on on quite a small area of it actually. So the DC has um, announced a lot more details about their upcoming rebirth initiative. Um, and there's still sort of a lot of split down the middle as to they, they are absolutely adamant that it's not going to be a reboot. And, but it just, it does sound like there's going to be a lot of rebootable elements. I think continuity isn't going to change, but there's one thing that I find a little bit curious. Uh, well, a couple of things actually, when they, when they switched over to new 52, they made a real show of, starting everything again to welcome new people and as i mentioned before you know that that worked for me because i'd never read any dc before and um and i i got fully on board with new 52 and and i've become you know a a, a moderate reader of, of a number of their books and i enjoy it um i think a lot of the old fans were not very happy with it and one thing that has really upset people is with the new 52 superman I don't know why. I think he's absolutely fine. He finally finally realised that his pants are supposed to go under his trousers, <laughs> and uh, that's fine. <laughs> fine by me. But um, they, DC did an event comic last year called Convergence, um, and I won't go into details about that because it's sort of old news now. But coming out the back of Convergence, they somehow managed to rescue the pre New Fifty Two Superman, and integrate him quietly into the current universe and so he's just there and with the dc rebirth um there doesn't seem to be any sign at the moment of new 52 superman they're like all of the books all of the superman books are going to be focusing on old superman um i'm not sure about that because uh for me uh superman is always a character that i've found kind of a little bit boring to read mm. um a bit too nicey nicey way overpowered yeah um and i kind of like the new one because he's a bit more vulnerable and a little bit more edgy uh because he's he's supposedly younger so he's growing up in a modern world and is you know acts accordingly because old superman let's be honest was from the the 40s so he's <laughs> he's like captain america he's got this really um sort of old-fashioned way of thinking um so I, I don't know i don't know how i feel about them 
they're sort of it feels a little bit like they're going to appease the old fans at the risk of losing the new fans but we shall wait and see i guess um i mean there's there's other sort of huge swathes of changes um there's a lot more focus on uh books about batman and superman and wonder woman because obviously they're in that film which uh isn't doing so well out there the, at the moment the film um, that ben affleck's not the most proud of no <laughs> um yeah and uh they are let me see they're going to introduce yet another green lantern um uh, all, all sorts of things I and mean, it's really the superman thing that i wanted to talk about specifically mm. but um yeah i just thought it was odd that they are uh, as, a, as a new reader as somebody who came on board with new 52 i feel a little bit like yeah i'm not sure if i'm going to want to continue if you're going to get rid of all the stuff that attracted me in the first place yeah, it sounds like a bit of a shame, like a, a shame to take a step back. I mean, I haven't really followed DC for ages, so this might be a good chance for me to try and give it another shot. But mm-hmm. like you say, I've I've always found Superman, and I haven't read the, the more recent stuff where he's edgy kind of thing, but it's just kind of nothing can win against him. Yeah. <laughs> so why yeah. bother putting these pictures on the comic? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I mean, some of the stories are, are interesting, but when it's like, oh, is it, it's, it's tense, it's going to be a fight, you're like, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. He he can just blink and win. It's fine. Yeah. So, but no, that sounds really. I don't know. It sounds a bit. I'm dubious, like you say, about the Superman thing. But it might be nice at least to have a, a rebirth, so that I can, I can have an entry point instead of. Sometimes yeah. you sit down and go, "Oh, I'd like to read this." Yeah, uh, there's a lot to read. <laughs> as I mentioned, I mean, as I mentioned in the last episode before my internet gave out, they are starting off with. Uh, like an 80 page comic which is going to kick everything off and then mm. every every one of the comics in their life i think they're going with 32 comics every one of those is going to have a special rebirth tie-in issue and then everything's going back to like an issue one and they're going to start again so i'll probably get that that 80 pager i would have thought yeah even though it'll almost certainly be about 10 or 12 bucks um i would have thought for the because considering they charge uh three you know two pound fifty for a, a 24 page comic an 80 page mm. one is going to be expensive um, but I'll get it because that will basically give you the overview and uh, I'll report back. I think it's in May, so we haven't got long to wait. Cool. That sounds good. Tell me if it's good and then I'll buy it if it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but, uh, right, so let's move on to some cool news that we might want to talk about. And I'm going to kick this off by talking a bit about a new... I saw this on Twitter a couple of days ago and it's. I'm glad it's happened. There's a few caveats, but uh, Microsoft have made it possible to turn any Xbox One into a kind of dev dev kit. So they've got this new initiative, which is this UWP, is it the Universal Windows Platform? Oh, yeah. Um, And the idea is that uh, you should be able to much better share the apps you make between Xbox and PC. I I guess also phone. Um, Not that anyone has a Windows phone anymore. (laughs) Um, But... So yeah, so it's kind of cool. They've opened up the Xbox hardware so that developers can start running their own software on there. I think it's going to support Unity uh, very soon. If it doesn't, it might already be available. I'm not sure. Uh, so you'll be able to, if you're making something with Unity, you should be able to beam it across to your Xbox One and start playing it. So that's, that's kind of cool. Reminiscent of the old Xbox indie games program where you could run your indie games on any Xbox. Mm. But any game or app running in this manner is limited to using one gigabyte of RAM. Right. (laughs) Arbitrary limit for no reason at all other than Microsoft saying, oh, we wouldn't want indies doing things with their hardware that that professionals can do. (laughs) Um, Mm. So yes, so that that makes me dubious, kind of artificially limiting the hardware just because... My understanding was that the one gig limit was a temporary thing and that that was changing soon. That it was just this first version was my understanding of it. But then also, uh, this was something that was announced three years ago. So it's (laughs) taken a long time to come uh, and it could well change. Hmm. Because there was also the whole thing about the Connect, because um, obviously at first, when they first announced all this in 2014, um, the Connect was with every Xbox and it was integrated and it was like a big deal that you had to use it. Uh, whereas now you can buy them without the Connect and mm. you can get a 10% performance boost by not having the Connect <laughs> plugged in. Um, 
and I remember them saying that Indies would be able to access all of that. So I, I definitely think that one gig limit is going, but I don't know when. Yeah. And I could be wrong. Yeah, I, I've got this feeling that maybe it's even... I think they might actually be lower than one gig. Now, it, it's currently half a gig, and they're going to make Go it one to... gig when it's fully released. Oh, that might um, be where I'm getting confused. So, okay. Yeah, I just so I don't know why. I mean, stupid. Yeah, <laughs> it just makes no sense. I guess they want you to buy a dev kit if you're making bigger games. Like that. Yeah, that makes sense. But uh, yeah, it feels it, it makes me worry that the whole program is going to be hobbled for the sake of it. You know, it's like oh yeah, you can do all this stuff. Oh, where? But not really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't actually want you to use it. We just want to make it look good for a publicity stunt. Yeah. But then on the other side of things. <laughs> I wouldn't want to make a game for Xbox One anyway because no one's buying them. So, <laughs> you know. I think for a little indie, though, it's quite... An, if you can get a hit on the Xbox One that people like, it's kind of... You can you could probably get you know, 50,000, 100,000 sales from a nice little hit. And that would be fine if there's two guys in the bedroom making that, you know? Yeah, if, I guess. Do you mean as an indie developer there, Ben, or like just games developers in general? Um, I mean as an indie developer, really. Right. I mean, because yeah, people buying their indie games on Steam, is that where, you, where you're going with? Yeah, I mean, if I was uh, if I was uh, going to make a game today, um, and I was going to, as an indie developer, um, probably do a Kickstarter to do it, uh, mm. you would always launch on Steam first. Yeah, like mm. it'd be nice if you could just port it to Xbox One easily and be like, "Well, that's done." Um, but generally, it takes more work than that, um, and so I most, guess that's what they're. I guess, yeah, that's what they're saying here is hopefully it won't because if you're using Unity and you've got it working on PC with a controller, it should yeah. just work on an Xbox One. But the other part of that, though, is that they want you to use their UWP mm. thing. And mm. for that, you're going to go through the Windows 10 store, not through Steam necessarily. Yeah. yeah. So, again, uh, I would not be targeting that. I'd be targeting Steam, not yeah. the Windows 10 shit fest. <laughs> that is the store. Uh, mm. So I kind of look at it and I'm like, eh. <laughs> I probably wouldn't rush to support it, but then I'm not making a game for uh, for anything. So <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'd make it on iPhone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. But it's, I think it's cool that, I mean, it could be cool. I'm still dubious, but it could be cool. So uh... It's nice that they are doing something they said they'd do three years ago in a slightly worse way than imagined. <laughs> <laughs> Kudos, yeah. Microsoft. <laughs> yeah. Slow claps all round. <laughs> so keeping yeah. the gaming theme going, I believe you've both got a game to talk about. So so Chris, you want to talk about Unreal? So, you know, I, I'm struggling to remember who actually makes the Unreal games. Is it Epic or did Epic I make that up? Games. It is Epic. So I heard um, the, that Epic Games are making a new Unreal tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, which is awesome because I loved the original Unreal Tournament. Uh, I played it an awful lot. And um, not only are they making a new Unreal Tournament, but they are remaking a lot of the maps from the original games, Yeah, um, which looks awesome, uh, including the, I think, the the two facing worlds, something like that. The, when you're on the asteroid and you've got the two towers. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was cool. Um, but um. even more exciting is that they've just it's just got completely free open alpha testing. So mm. you can just go onto the website and download it and play it. I can't, obviously, because there's no way I'm on a Mac. But uh, those pe- people with a PC could do that. And uh, I, I just made very excited when I saw about it. <laughs> I have done that as well, and it's quite fun. Mm. It's very a very unreal feeling, you know. It's got all the same mm. run around with a flat cannon and, and just shoot things. Yeah, it looked because uh, I've seen I've seen it being played. Um, uh, we downloaded it at work, and one of my colleagues has <laughs> one of my colleagues has a, has the the completely souped up um, fifteen inch MacBook Pro. So we put it ah, on cool. his, and um, and it just looked it looked exactly like the original. What was it? Two thousand and one Unreal mm. Tournament, um, just with lovely new graphics, and it just made me so nostalgic because that game <laughs> was so good. It was would, so good. I, I would be 
remiss if I did not point out that Chris has now said two things. <clears throat> One, DC Rebirth. It's not a reboot, it's a rebirth. Oh, is it interesting. Unreal Tournament, it's, uh, you know, it's the same game but with better graphics. This is very much Star Wars Episode Seven. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, In every sense of the word. Yeah, that's true. Fortunately, a certain director is nowhere near Unreal Tournament or DC, so... Yeah, it's all good. Oh goodness me! Imagine if they put J.J. Abrams in charge of DC Comics. Well, I'd just switch <laughs> back to Marvel. That's fine. <laughs> but one last uh, quick comment on Unreal before we move on. But they, I think the development is actually being done a lot by the community because it's kind of an open source yes. project. You can download the open, the source now and then there uh, and have your have your contribution. That's really cool. And obviously, it's a way of just showing off their new Unreal engine and kind of mm. getting people to use it. But it's it's a really cool idea. So. I'm I'm glad that they're sticking to their roots. To be honest, and they're they're continuing to to make games that they make so well that people still enjoy. Mm. Um, and it's uh, it, you know because the Unreal Engine as well is always seems to be like the, uh, at the spearhead of of gaming engines. You see, so many things have used the Unreal Engine. XCOM, um, you know, over the years, does it? Yeah. There you go. Mm. So uh, I'm guessing the game you're going to talk about, Ben, is not one that needs the Unreal Engine. Uh, I don't know, actually. I don't know what's <laughs> built in. Um, this is so... the theme hospital engine. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> I can't remember if I mentioned it last week. I definitely tweeted it last week, but I can't remember if I mentioned it on the show. Uh, but I said, oh, there's a new Rollercoaster Tycoon game coming out. Rollercoaster Tycoon World or Rollercoaster World or something like that. That should have been ignored because that's actually a terrible, terrible, rubbish-looking game and very <laughs> janky. Uh, and they've just made it, um, they put it on Steam Greenlight. Uh, so for £30, you can play this broken game that doesn't really work uh, that's already a year late. So <laughs> don't do that. Instead, the one you want to buy is Planet Coaster, which is the one that I saw ages ago in a demo video and literally was just drooling as I watched it. Um, I think I mentioned it in ver- the very first episode of... Uh, of this podcast, actually. Hmm. Um, and I couldn't remember the name of it at the time. It's finally come to me, ten episodes later, Planet Coaster. <laughs> and it looks so good. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> just like really detailed theme park building. Not only in just like, you don't just plop the rides down and change the colours, that kind of stuff. You can literally change the architecture of stuff. You can have roller coasters that go through buildings. Really simple roller coaster stuff, all with like a modern engine. Um, can you have curved looks really good. Oh, gosh. <laughs> you can certainly have curved paths. You yeah. have curved paths that descend slowly on a gradient. Uh, and you can, like, <clears throat> I saw someone on uh, YouTube using the Alpha build, which you can buy today mm. and play that if you want to. Because um, it's like a Kickstarter thing, I think. I think the game itself is £20, and then you'll get that when it's done at the end of the year. Or you yeah. get a bit more and get access to an Alpha build now. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, so there's lots of people on YouTube with like videos of it. And one guy literally was able to build, like, he wanted a tunnel um, that you could walk through, like an archway, and he just stacked boulders on top of each other. Like, you can take any element and stack them uh, with real physics and stuff. It looks so good. <laughs> looks like a really good game. Um, so I'm incredibly excited. Cool. That sounds really good. And can I also just applaud uh, your excellent use of the word plop? plop. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Thank you. <laughs> Bonus point for the end of the show. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Cool, so I want to move on to the, the main topic of the show, which is based on the fact that I got my hands on a 3D printer at Christmas. I mean, it's a it's a bit of a beast. It's sitting next to my desk now, and it's the size of the desk nearly. But um, Wow. <laughs> no, it's not quite that. And slight exaggeration, <clears throat> but you could definitely sit on it if I wasn't worried about breaking it. Uh, it weighs like 25 kilograms. But I thought maybe I'd just kick off with a, a really quick overview of the different types of 3D printers. Um, then we could talk about some of the, the weirder stories that we've heard about the future of 3D printing. Then I'll give a little review of the printer I've got, and then we can just generally talk merry about 3D printing. So uh, there's, I guess there's, I don't know if you guys know this, and maybe you do, so sorry if you do, but there's basically three different types of printers. There are the kind of plastic extrusion printers, where there's a heated nozzle that sits at the top of a box, and it can move left and right and up and down but not well it can move in the kind of xy coordinates but not up and down if you look in the box right. and then the the floor moves up and down and what happens when you hit print is the base of the printer moves up to the nozzle 
and then it prints it one layer at a time. So it kind right. of prints these little layers of plastics that are 0.2 millimeters thick. Then there's another type of printer which uses a liquid resin, I guess. Um, and it's kind of a box on your desk and then you hit print and it prints a layer at a time again, but it's using this liquid resin. So actually where the plastic printers print layers and it's literally like something coming out of a pen. So it's usually got a fairly bumpy feel at the end. The resin ones end up very smooth because they use some light at the bottom of the device in order to make the resin go hard. And then there are super advanced fancy ones that I doubt anyone's got at home, but they have one of these at the University of Exeter. And it's basically a massive box. You put some dust in it and then you fire lasers at the bits that you want to, to be solid. Awesome. Um, and because it's kind of free floating dust and there's no, doesn't have to be done in layers, you can actually print things that are basically impossible, if that makes sense. So you could print a chain and there'd be no way ever to take it apart because, you know, there, there is no gap between between the bits of plastic or anything. They have just been printed as a chain with the hole. You can make a whistle where the ball inside could never go in anyway and the outside can't be taken apart. So, uh, so I guess those are the three different types. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard any interesting stories about kind of weird 3D printing. When I was at school, we had a, um, uh, well, I guess it was a very early 3D printer, um, but it only dealt with polystyrene. Uh, so it basically <laughs> take like a big block of polystyrene uh, and then you'd say what you wanted and then it would use lasers or drills or I don't know how it worked. And then it would give you whatever you wanted to do. So we had to make um, aeroplanes. Uh, so it was trying to teach us all about different uh, wind flow and that kind of stuff so you literally designed your aeroplane in like this CAD program and then this big block of polystyrene would then be hmm. sheared until you got the end result and obviously you couldn't do things like intrude into a design or do anything like that and it was pretty pretty rubbish really it was <laughs> it's pretty cool though I remember yeah. I remember it and thinking it was pretty cool but at the time I think it was awful so <laughs> My memory is cloudy of it, and I seem to remember it was ridiculously expensive. Like we weren't really allowed to touch it. Like, to touch it, like take <laughs> files and go and do it. And but that was pretty cool. It was always blue polystyrene, so all the planes looked the same. They were just slightly different shapes, and it was like, yep, that one works better. That one that you've not done anything with doesn't. It's like <laughs> could have, could have really done all of this on a, on a computer without printing the stuff at massive cost. But fair enough. Yeah, I guess it's kind of cool though. Uh... To sort of yeah, actually was, see uh, what you designed in real life. So, yeah. I've seen like um, Japanese 3D printers with food where they do like the really tiny, they like make food that's tiny. Mm. Uh, it seems to be like a big thing. So like, there's one guy who's made like an entire Happy Meal. this like <laughs> one hundredth the size. So you like have to pick up these little chicken nuggets with like um, tweezers and like little fries that are in like a little packet that he's 3D printed. <laughs> so that's pretty that's a pretty weird story I've seen. Uh, but yeah, I think, that... I think the food ones are quite interesting. I've seen a few where you can... And I guess that's something which one day could be pretty cool to have at home if it wasn't extortionately expensive. You could print happy birthday chocolates for people or, or cake toppers and things out of chocolate. Mm. I don't think that's... I mean, theoretically, the, the plastic printers, I guess, should work with chocolate too, if it's the right sort of chocolate, because you're printing Try it with in yeah, I'm not sure I want to eat. <laughs> I wish that they didn't still call them printers when it's making food, because it just doesn't make it sound like it would be edible. Um, I don't know. I, I, yeah. I, when I hear, I want to hear, oh, I've, I've, like, because there was a story um, that Ikea were three, 3D printing meatballs, and it just doesn't... <laughs> It doesn't make me think, mmm, delicious. <laughs> it makes you think, oh, that sounds a bit horrible. But, um, you know, realistically, this is, it is taking us one step closer to the uh, Star Trek food replicator, isn't it? Mm, yeah, yeah. That's what they should See, call them, food replicators. They should, yeah. Whenever I hear the word printer, I always just think of, like, connection errors and, like, <laughs> massive, those massive yeah. blue cables. Mm. And like stuff jamming, and it's like I don't really want a printer jam when it's food. 
<laughs> Reminds me of the Eliezer sketch where he's like, uh, ah, it's easy, hit control, P, print. Cannot find printer. I can find the printer. You're connected to it with a cable. Why can't you find the printer? <laughs> so, it's, uh, yeah, good times. Back in the day when you had a parallel port for your printer. Oh, good old parallel port. We should, do an, we should do an episode about ports of years gone by. <laughs> and we'll, we'll call I really miss Firewire. <laughs> but uh, I think one interesting type of printer that, again, is extortionately expensive at the moment, but uh, you can get ones that print metal now. So... Theoretically, you could build your own Iron Man helmet or or bike, I guess. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> if you're less inventive. Are you suggesting I list? could become Iron Man? <laughs> Technically. How, how do we know you aren't already Iron Man? That is true. That is true. Have you seen Iron Man? No, I haven't. Yeah. Oh, no, Man. He's <laughs> called, uh, I, I know that he's called Tony Stark, and yep. he works Stark Industries. <laughs> uh, it's a big tower, and yep. Jude Law is is Butler Jarvis. I want to say no. It's um, Paul Bettany. Wasn't it Jude Law at one point? Nope. <laughs> I'll, I'll believe yeah. Chris. I think Chris point, knows. Points for the tower, though. All right. All right. <laughs> cool. There's one other type of three um, D printing that's been in the news a bit recently, and that is. Printing human organs with 3D printers. And again, maybe a printer isn't yeah, the again, you really just, want to. <laughs> wish they just change the name. <laughs> like human organ generator, creator. Yeah. But uh, but they've actually made kind of working. I think they're miniature at the moment. They're not ones you could put in people, but they've made working body parts like a liver. And, uh, uh, I could uh, use one of those. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't think it'll be... A huge amount of years, probably when we're getting old and doddery, that um, if we need replacement body parts, then we can probably pay you know, ten thousand pounds or something to have a to have a new one printed instead of instead of harvesting it from a dead person. So, what if you bring your own materials? Would it be cheaper? <laughs> I have a AAA cell line here from a from a biotech company. <laughs> can you just like, start with this? I like that. With this, the potential for proving scientifically whether a dog with two dicks would be actually be happy uh, <laughs> actually come to fruition. Uh, <laughs> that's not an image I want in my head, but I have it now. Yeah. I well, that's that's five Cerberus. minutes I'm going to have to edit out, isn't it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the, the printer I have is the Da Vinci... AIO 1.0 by XYZware and additive names. Yeah, it's really really catchy, right? You you never yeah. forget that. But it's <laughs> the company XYZware do a line of 3D printers, and their vision, I think, is to make the the base printer as friendly to use as possible, while keeping the cost down. But they charge you a bit more for the so most 3D printers, you can just buy a spool of plastic and stick it on the back. These have kind of cartridges. Uh, so they charge maybe 50% more than you'd normally pay for the, the plastic. So they're the Lexmark of 3D printers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a special chip in it so that you can't buy cheaper ink? Yes. <laughs> that is a... Ma like, there was a, the first version, and people aren't very happy because the first version that came out, you could just move the plastic into an old cartridge and change and then use the chip again like you can flash the chip and now they've put an id in them and if it sees the same id twice your printer just shuts down i'm glad to see that we've not improved in the last 30 years of printing <laughs> yeah you you can now print actual metal and food and plastic but you still can't buy cheap versions of that it's our own we're going to lose money on the printer and make it all back on the filling yeah <laughs> But um, I won't go too much, I guess, into the specifics of the printer. I mean, it's pretty good. It's had a, had a few issues getting it off the ground, which is a pain. So you have to, I guess one of the things that I didn't really consider when I got it, uh, and, you know, I'm not, it's, it's fine now. I've got over them. But there's quite a lot of maintenance involved with the 3D printer. So even this one, which tries to be super friendly. So you have to make sure that the, the print bed, which it prints on, is as level as possible and when it's at the top is the right distance from the nozzle um, and obviously because there's a lot of moving parts you have to make sure that nothing gets clogged up and the the plastic doesn't kind of get stuck or 
gets melted, you know, melted too much and go into the wrong bits of the machine and things. So I've had to do a bit of maintenance to get it working. But touch wood, since I have done all that, I'm really able to print quite a lot of stuff. And all I have to do is wipe the bottom off from all the glue that you put on. So, um, so since then, I'm actually quite happy with it. If you'd asked me to review it six weeks ago, I'd have been like, fucking thing never works. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I think it's still a bit more work than a, a regular printer where you've got to just change your print cartridge. And, but overall, well, now it's going. If I go, hmm, I really wish I could print X or, you know, I need a, I need a Y, then I can hit print, wait an eternal amount of time, and then it will come out. <laughs> so what have you actually made so far? I know I've, I saw on Twitter you'd made a Apple Watch stand. Yes, so I've printed a couple of these now, one for me and one for my wife. Uh, that was the first thing I printed, actually. So it is a plastic stand with... One of them is kind of the vertical one with the hole, and then there's a little ledge at the top where you can put your watch, but there's space for the charger as well. So you sort of slot the charger and it just sits next to your bed, and then I put the Apple Watch on it at the end. And now the second one I've made is a slightly smaller one where the watch sits on its side on a little depression. So you can use it in nightstand mode. But they're both pretty cool. I mean, they don't... The thing about things you 3D print is they don't look amazing because it's white plastic. Yeah. Um, it's not like you wouldn't go, ah, look how shiny and awesome this is. But they're incredibly useful because you can print it to the exact size that you need it. So... What else have you printed? Yeah, so I've also printed... I mean, I've got like a little hook on the side of my desk that I made for my headphones. And again, it's nice that you can kind of decide... Hmm, my table is 34 millimetres deep. I'll make the hook 34 millimetres deep. And then it just slots on the side and I just rest my headphones on it after a, after a hard day of podcasting. Um, <laughs> I'm halfway through printing a laptop stand for my wife because she wants to use nice. her laptop at work. You know, the kind of the ones that typically cost 40 or 50 pounds. Yeah. Um, so I'm printing her one of those. It's in a so, couple of pieces. How much sub- does the plastic yeah. cost? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. How much does it Sorry. cost to print something? So a spool of plastic. The laptop which... stand only costs £60 to print. <laughs> 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 I'll figure out how much it costs, but a spool of plastic, which is 240 metres, costs, uh, I think it's about 22 quid. Um, they range from 20 to 25, depending on colour. So if you're being super cheap and you just want the cheapest, it's 20 quid. But if you want a nicer colour, then it's 25. You know. So say 22 pounds, and that's 240. Now the laptop stand I'm printing, I mean, it's... there's. I haven't printed that much stuff yet. And when you do the printing, you can decide how much, they call it infill, you have. So you obviously always have to print the kind of outer shell of the of the design. But then the middle can be filled anywhere from 10% to 100%. So you could have it as solid plastic, but then you're going to use a lot of materials. Or if it's something which you don't think is going to be put under much pressure, you can print it with only 10% actually filled in inside. And then it has a honeycomb pattern in order to give it as much strength as possible while using minimal materials. So I've printed the laptop stand with 20%, which is what the guy who made the design suggested. So there's a whole bunch of websites but the one I use most is called Thingiverse and there's 50,000 different things you can download from there and just print so they quite often say ah suggested that you use this setting so I use that setting and it's going to take probably about 38 I think it was I think it was 19 for the half I've done so say 40 meters so I guess one sixth of a cartridge for this laptop stand so that's what four quid something like that um, that's pretty cool and how long is it taking to print so i mean the laptop stand that i've i've gone for is one it's basically two separate sides so i've printed one side and that took about four hours it's obviously that doesn't give you much of a scale so the little headphone hook that i've printed for the side of my desk which is probably about sort of four inches deep and then a couple of inches for the hook and you know on each end so that took about an hour and the little apple watch stand took about two i think so it's not bad the sort of things you could picture the size of so it's not fast you wouldn't be thinking oh hmm, i need something to hold my towel on after my ba- my bath i'll i'll just print <laughs> it now and use it but it's also i have I mean, a wife 
Um, Hold my towel. <laughs> but it's also, I mean, it's the same as encoding a video. You used to be, I guess, you just hit hit the button, and then I, I give it sort of ten minutes and I check that it's working because if the if it's going to fail at all, it'll always be the first five minutes because sometimes if the plastic doesn't quite sit on the the base properly or the base wasn't heated up to the right temperature or something, it will go wrong straight away. But basically, right. if it starts, it will finish fine. So I check it 10 minutes after it started and then I just go out. And then when I come back, I go, oh, cool, it's done. Um, so it doesn't really, I mean, yeah, it would be nice if it was super fast, but it doesn't really matter. Um, but no, and then I guess some other things that I printed are just, it's, it's mostly been utility things for now. I haven't sort of just printed a, a Halo helmet for fun or anything. <laughs> I've always printed things like, oh, that will be useful or might be useful. So I think storage is the easiest thing to print because again, it's so precise. You can print like a little SD card holder, which can hold six SD cards or something. And it, it looks like a little mountain on your desk and, and things like that. So they're a cross between aesthetic and useful, but yeah, it's really cool tech. It think, sounds, uh, I'm, I'm intrigued by it. I don't think I would use it myself. Um, just because the finish on them doesn't tend to be as as good as I would like. And like you say, with the different colored plastics as well, um, in that generally I'm very picky. Uh, so I kind of want it to look much better than it does. Like I, I appreciate that it's a lot cheaper for self-printing stuff. Um, and I can see it would be useful for things like, oh, like like you uh, say you bought a desk from IKEA and you're building it and one of the screws is missing or something you can just go uh right I'll just 3D print me a new one or mm. like a dowel or something like that but then on the other hand uh I could probably go to IKEA and pick up a spare and come back in the time it would take to 3D print it so <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine that I would want to print enough stuff to warrant owning one but it would be quite nice if there were places where you could go with a pattern and mm. print something you know i think there are I, I don't know but i'm pretty sure there are online services where you can do that where you basically mm. just email in the file and then they'll print it for you and post it out to you mm. and obviously that's going to incur quite a cost depending yeah. on whatever it is you're printing yeah um, if no one is doing that then someone should totally set that up as a company because that would you know make a lot of financial sense i think yeah. so like i say i mean there's there's two types really that you can use at home and there's the plastic one where, like you say, you get these kind of lines on it. The finish is not isn't great. I mean, they're brilliant for utility items, but they're not they're not pretty looking things. But then the resin ones are much more smooth and detailed. So with the 3D printer I have, I couldn't, for instance, print a bunch of Warhammer figures. <laughs> but no. with the resin one, you could. Right. I see. Um, so you could actually print really detailed. Well, probably not quite as detailed as the ones you buy from Games Workshop, unless you had a very expensive printer. But they're much finer grained. But then you're, they're a bit more messy because you have to, it's a box of liquid and then you it prints the thing and then you have to kind of scrape the liquid back in the pot and get rid of all the bits of plastic from that before you put it back in so you can right. use it again. Uh, so it's a bit more work but it's, and they're more expensive. But you can and presumably finish. everything would come out as a single colour. Yes, yes. So, Because the real problem for me is that one of the things I could see myself <clears throat> using a 3D printer for uh, would be for Lego, especially <laughs> if I'm building my own models. Quite often, I mean, I've got a huge box of Lego and I really need to go through it and sort it out into like different colours and components and stuff like that. But quite often, if you're building your own model, um, you'll want a specific piece. And sometimes you don't have that specific piece or not in that color. So like I might need four of some certain part in black and I've only got three of them from previous sets that I've owned. And so mm. at that point, it'd be really cool to be able to go, right, print that, done. Now I've got that one to put in and that'll work. Um, but the other use case would be for printing customized little minifigures. So if I wanted to make like a little minifigure for something that they don't actually make yet, um, then you could print it. But then the problem is it's all one color. Uh, it's not going to have the printed like almost screen printing i guess it is that you put on top i mean i guess i could print some stickers and then put it on top <laughs> but it's just gonna look terrible um and there i are guess companies that do that already mm, i guess for warhammer figures that's fine because you would expect them just to be gray and then you paint yeah. them yourself so um 
I mean, it really... worked fine for my use case of printing certain Lego components that are just yeah. a color, like little bricks and things that I occasionally need, or little tiny linking parts, or even for making parts that don't exist yet if you want to do a particular <laughs> technique. Um, because there are certain things you can't do. Um, so it would be pretty cool for that, but again, I just don't think I've got the... Uh, use case enough to purchase one not that that stops me from buying most things i own <laughs> well <laughs> so now follow-up will be oh, i bought a 3d printer and i printed two pieces of Lego. <laughs> totally worth it. never gonna use it again <laughs> so now let me uh with that in mind i found a kickstarter a week or two ago and this is actually what gave me the idea for the the show topic and this is super cool and it's a 3d printer called the Olo, O-L-O, and it's a, I wouldn't say pocket size, but it's it's a very small, I guess it's the size of our Yeti microphones probably, Ooh. 3D printer, and it's only $99, and the idea is it uses the light from your phone screen as the activator, so it's a resin-based one, so it's super detailed, and you could probably only print things up to the size of a Warhammer figure, yeah, it's not it's not a huge printer. Um, but then you, the idea is you rest this box on top of your phone and it actually uses the light. You have to have your phone plugged into a power source because it's going to take, you know, four hours of, of using your, your phone screen. But then you rest the box on top. The, the box is self-contained. You put some resin in the box, this liquid, and then you come back in three hours and you've got your 3D printer, your 3D model. But the whole thing is $99 and I, I, I think I'm going to get one. That's quite cool. Um, and at that price, maybe you could print Lego, Lego blocks, Ben. Yeah, that I'm just looking at it now. That does look pretty cool. I mean, it'd be a pain in the ass if I got a phone call halfway through that. <laughs> uh, you could buy but... an iPhone SE just to power your 3D printer. <laughs> I was going to say, I do have a number of iPhones sitting spare, so it wouldn't really be a big problem, <laughs> I guess. That is pretty cool. So yeah, it's, it's already got to $1.8 million out of the 80,000 goal. Um, wow. And again, I think I think the cost of this is probably going to be in in the resin as well. So they're probably selling the device basically at cost. Mm. Um, and I guess these little pots of resin will probably cost um, I don't know a five or a tenner. So if you want, you know, still a lot cheaper than if you were going to buy Warhammer figures, say. <laughs> but at the same time, it probably costs them a quid a bottle, and they sell it for five quid a bottle. So, yeah, that's probably where they're going to make the markup because you can't use it without the resin. But um, but yeah, I think it's a, I know, it's a really cool idea. And looking at it again now, I think there's no doubt that I'm going to just just order one because it's a hundred dollars. I'm looking through it, and I like the fact that like, they're um, extra things that you can buy in the Kickstarter campaign, like a mug. It's like, well, why would I just 3D print it? <laughs> <laughs> you could probably 3D print a shot glass with this tiny printer, but <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's true. Midget mug. <laughs> So yeah, I think that's a really cool Kickstarter. And again, I'm not going to lie. The, the main reason I want to buy it is to, to print little Warhammer figures. I mean, not necessarily Warhammer figures. You know, it might not be the Games Workshop ones, but for me, miniatures in general. And I like the idea of prototyping a couple of board games. And typically when you do that, you end up with lots of pieces of paper and cardboard around, that you, you know, with a little drawing of an orc on, which is a stick orc or a, a stick goblin. Uh, sketched onto a piece of paper and, and you try and get three or four people to come around your house and play it it'd be really awesome to print off a couple of little goblin and orc figures and when you're prototyping a board game just play with actual figures it's like yeah that'd be so cool nice um, and again if you're making a goblin army or something for I haven't really played Games Workshop games for 10 years but I play other games now so I say Games Workshop stuff because I assume everyone knows what that is yeah. but you can you know, I guess you could fill out some of your ranks with some custom 3D printed figures, especially if you're playing Chaos or something where they kind of mutate over time and you want to change your figure. You just print a new one and paint it up. So. Hmm. Cool. I may well buy that. <laughs> <laughs> Damn you, Wordsworth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, back this project, all right then. <laughs> Done. <laughs> But, um, I love how much our Kickstarter episode is coming back to us every single episode. <laughs> Ben's just backing more and more stuff. <laughs> We've unleashed a beast. 
Ben started the episode for backing so much stuff. I think <laughs> Ben started the episode going, "I hate Kickstarter. I never, I never back anything. Yeah. I usually just finish a damn product before I buy it." And now it's like, this week I backed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my water bottle is apparently shipping this month, so that's, that's nice. Oh, yeah. Looking forward to that. That's, that's a long time overdue, right? Yeah, I've actually stopped <laughs> drinking water. <laughs> Cool. I was going to, one more thing quickly to feedback on, like, uh, when you mentioned the idea of going somewhere and printing things, and yeah. a lot of cities, I think Exeter included, has a, uh, what do they call them? Maker, maker space, oh, I think yeah, they call yeah. hacker space, maker space or something. And um, I've, I've met some people from maker spaces, and they, I'm not trying to stereotype too much. They range from very nice and friendly people to the slightly weird and <laughs> slight and weird and nerdy creatives, you know. So uh, I'm not one just suggesting... 3D print the uh, Ring of Power. <laughs> <laughs> if you've ever printed a Lord of the Rings replica movie prop, then you fall into the weird part. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of cities have these spaces where people they, they tend to hire an old office building or a warehouse or some space and then they you know they all pay a little bit of money every month so they can use it but they they quite often have a couple of 3d printers or little electronics things and I'm, i think they're the sort of people you'd get in touch with if you just wanted to print one or two things i'm sure yeah. you could rock up and just go hey you know i'll pay you a tenner or whatever for these these few prints so you'll yeah you're, you're not out of pocket but do you mind if i just use your printer for a weekend and they'll probably say yeah sure go for it so i think there is there is a place for that but and there are other sites, like you say, Ben, where you can print online. And I've seen them for video games, and that's really cool. So if you're playing something like World of Warcraft, you can have your character 3D printed and posted back to you. Oh, oh. well. <laughs> oh, God. I love World of Warcraft. And now I've made Chris spend some money. <laughs> uh, World of Warcraft went out when the baby came in. Uh. Until right, you can only play like 15 years and I'll start playing it again. <laughs> Until you can play it with him, of course. Oh, World of Warcraft, the family. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, I'm off. I'm going to play <laughs> Bye. Uh, awesome. Oh, he has actually hung up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One step too far. Uh, cool. I think. I think I've pretty much covered everything that I, I got excited about with 3D printers. So unless either of you two have anything extra to say. I remember um, on Twitter when Will Wheaton got a 3D printer and the first thing he printed was um, a lemon, but he put <laughs> massive, like huge, muscly trogdor arms on it. <laughs> 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 oh, brilliant uh, if you if you google it it'll almost certainly come up but um, the that's show. the sort of that's the sort of stupid thing i would do i think if i had a 3d printer uh yeah, it would it would be cool to be able to just like you say if you if you had an online game or something to just like for example when we played dungeons and dragons it would be quite good to just be able to print out a little model of of your of your avatar would be quite good yeah i'd mm. enjoy it but um, yeah, it would be nice if there was just a place on the high street where you could just go along with a, you know, with a file and just say, hey, I'm going to print this. It'd be great. Yeah, I'd like that. I think the thing that would unfortunately go wrong is that you would turn up with a file and you would print it. And your file, obviously, you have to be quite techy if you're going to make your own file. If you just download yeah. one off the internet, then that's fine. But if you were, ah, I've made my file for this hook that's going to hook on the end of my bed or something, yeah. then it's never going to, you know, the first one, probably won't fit <laughs> so you go in and you spend five pounds and they give you this little hook thing you've printed and then you go home and it doesn't fit and you're like it doesn't fit bastards it's their fault <laughs> it's probably it's probably your fault for doing the file wrong but you know um that would be quite hard i think to a, a hard sell when you come back with it and it doesn't quite fit yeah that's true actually <laughs> <laughs> so, so looking at the lemon with the truck the lemon with the arm. <laughs> brilliant isn't it Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, totally worth it just to hear you say that. 
should uh, probably have to put a link in the show notes to the Trogdor animation for people that don't know what Trogdor is. <laughs> yeah, oh, that makes me sad if people don't know what, what Trogdor is. Well, there's a whole generation, you know, I discovered there's a whole generation of people who'd never seen the um, Where Can You See Lions video. Oh, what? <laughs> no. Only so in I, Kenya. So I, yeah, I naturally, <laughs> I naturally rectified that. But uh, yeah, there's people who haven't heard of this amazing stuff. Yes, we'll put a link in the show notes to uh, Trogdor. <laughs> And if you watch it now and you're like 15 years old, you probably won't think it's amazing, but you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Damn kids. <laughs> if you are 15 years old, apologies for the dog with two dicks reference. <laughs> yeah, you probably shouldn't be listening to our show anyway, so, you know. <laughs> yes. Cool. Any final comments, Ben, on, on 3D printing? Uh, it's not for me, but I'll probably find <laughs> <laughs> True. We'll put some uh, follow-up in the show in three and a half years when the product actually gets finished. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah Delivery June 2016. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Starter. The thing is, I mean, maybe they were thinking, ah, $80,000, we'll, we'll have to make 50 of these things or 100 of these things. Yeah, we can deliver those in June. Hmm. $1.7 million. We have to make 7,000 of these. Well, they can afford oh, now we can make it work with iPads. Yeah. <laughs> Let's delay it by a year and add some green LEDs to it that no yeah. one has. <laughs> I think they do actually have an iPad version planned for a future. Of a course future they do. Go. So obviously you can print things bigger, but they're just going to try the foam one out first. So. But cool. So yes, that's uh, 3D printing in a nutshell. And I like 3D print in a nutshell in a minute. So. Yeah. <laughs> If you enjoyed the show, then uh, check out some more of our episodes at www.thedivide.co.uk and check us out on Twitter at Podcast Divide. And we would absolutely love you if you could go on iTunes and leave us a nice little review. Hopefully five stars, but you know, we'll let you off if it's four. Uh, Next show will be on Wednesday, the 20th of April. Thanks for listening. Cheerio. Bye.